Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And here we are again for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. A bit of a late night edition, but we're here, Boxhead. We are, mate. As always, we make it work tonight via distance for circumstances as usual, just adapting on the run. Um, but how are you doing, mate? How was your weekend? Uh, weekend wasn't great. We got our asses kicked in the first round of footy, so that perspective... Uh it was a bit of a shit of a weekend, but we move on, roll on. Otherwise, everything else is good. Yep, always another game, but uh, yeah, not we the were, ideal. I uh, went to Jake from Penrith Solar Centre's wedding on Saturday night. So, that was interesting. Certainly was, bit of a mixed group. Yeah, a few wild ones there, it was good. Bit of uh, what I like to say, his former life and his new life right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming together and converging in one... Um, you know, pan of what would you say? Don't know. But it was a bit mixed, of a... mixed personalities. I can see Matt Noble doing an entrance for his wedding. You Jake him? Warner. Jake Warner, the kid who used to have bleach blonde hair, now the Elon Musk of Penrith. <laughs> Former bad boy turned good boy. Now helping people save cash and help the environment. (laughs) (laughs) What a turnaround. Here we are, this guy. (laughs) Once he was a little shit. Jake's going to take a hit up. He's going to take one for the team. Once a little shit, now a saint. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how he's changed our Jake. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's pretty bang on. It's pretty good. Uh, But... We'll, uh, we we'll, just needed some 90s song to go with it. Yeah, and someone randomly using a fucking metal blade grinder to get some sparks going. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, you know, hard work, construction. Because it's a working class game, you know, got to have that stuff yeah. in there. That's all right. All right. Uh, we'll jump in and do our set of six. But again, uh, great to have everybody on board in another big week. And thanks to, obviously, that man we talked about. From Penrith Solar Centre, Jake and Bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet, do it with the true blue Aussie bookie. There's no one better. Visit the website today and download the app. Um, it's been a win for the charity count first week by you. We had a loss on the weekend, but we'll look to bounce back this weekend. Thanks to Bluebet.com.au. But tackle one in the set of six box. I've got the concussion rule again. So 
we talked about it last week. There was a couple of coaches and some comments and a few inconsistencies, and it's unfortunately reared its head, and it's been another topic from the weekend. You've got incidents like the Jack Bird one where he barely gets glanced on the nose and gets ruled as a cat one, and then you've got the O'Sullivan situation where people are like, well, he lied down, he was motionless, and he's got to play on, and, you know, we've, we've seen a bit of indifference, so it's it's reared its head yeah, two I weeks in a row. Yeah, there is this inconsistency in the same game, isn't it? Yeah. That's probably the issue, and then it was different to, I guess, what the standard was a week before because we saw Victor Radley go off with a neck complaint and then Sean O'Sullivan didn't go off this weekend, so there's some inconsistency there. I understand why people are frustrated. I think, you know, this is typical of the NRL that they bring these things in and they take a little while to get things right. Sometimes they take years, sometimes they take decades. Look at obstruction and, and some of these rules and interpretations. But, look, I think... Again, probably the reinforcing point has got to be that it's the right thing, but we just need to find the right protocol and system that's going to allow it to, you know, achieve what it needs to achieve, which is removing those blatantly obvious concussions, uh, removing those players from the field, and the vice versa is, you know, allowing those players who aren't seriously hurt, who haven't been exposed to a concussion, to play on so we're just going to find that middle ground I feel like at the moment we're probably going a little bit too far we're being a little bit over cautious which I think is the right way to be and we've just got to find the balance to, to wind it back and and find that nice middle ground to achieve what we're trying to achieve as a game yeah I heard differences of opinion again between journalists and players etc but yeah, in, in terms of what we're talking about, the, the incidences themselves, or we're talking about how how it's the system and how it's, um, I guess, how it's implemented during a match. Yeah, how it works and what we talked about last week. Some of the players, in particular, I heard Gerds when I was driving on the weekend, same sort of. I was saying like, you're entitled to be hurt because a couple of the journos, like, if you stay down, he's like, you know, Jack Bird got a busted nose, Dylan Walker got a busted nose. Like, you're you're entitled to be hurt if you get hurt. You can't just tell someone, I think it was Ricky or something, oh, yeah, they're just going to have to get up. I'm like, well, sometimes you can't just get straight back up. Sometimes you legitimately yeah, get that, hurt. that was sort of the point I made on last week's show, that it's a physical game. Like, what? Sometimes you get winded and you can't get up. No. So no, that's what I mean. They're going to have to find a middle ground, and I think they will. They'll get there. I, yeah, I think it's just the screaming point at the moment, and what I mean by that is it's just the thing that the journalists are screaming about this week. They'll move on and find something else to scream about or probably with the West Tigers if they lose again this weekend they'll be screaming about the West Tigers next week but I, I try I'm trying my, my Dan just, just to not watch anything or listen to anything as I said I'll, like I'm off um, socials and I just try and come on here and talk without those influences so I yeah, I like it, but I do see what people are saying and that it probably needs to be tidied up a little bit. But, yeah, I, I like that it's stopping the diving. I, I don't think Sean O'Sullivan died. I think Jaden Sewer smacked him and he he was hurt. Like, that's happened in our game for 100 years. Like, can we not just have that? Does it not just have to be that we're, we overanalyse Sean O'Sullivan and try and work out whether he dived or we overanalyse in super slow motion whether Jaden Sewer hit him late like I, I just think it's over analysis on something that was just um, a play that's happened in rugby league for 100 years 
yeah, I just think more, again, the consistency around it needs to stay because when I see Bird go or Radley the week before and O'Sullivan, you know, he was hurt. Was it the whiplash? Was he concussed? Like, I get all that, but it's just the, the way they're ruling on it. And again, I'm sure it'll get more consistent over time. They'll work out those areas like we talked about last week. But I think it's just frustrated some people because there's been a couple of games where immediately they're looking going, well, we've lost these two guys or a close result like that Dragons one, and along with the two sin bins, and they see that sort of moment, they're probably sitting there going, well, you know, he was down. He probably suits what the Category 1 was a week ago. It's a half back, and, you know, they haven't taken him off the field. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully it gets ironed out. I, like my opinion, and I don't, again, I don't know what others were saying about the sewer hit. I, I thought it was late. Yeah, well, man, you disagree on that. I thought when I watched it in fast motion that he's in the passing motion when he's launched. So, And I just think if you're a coach, you shouldn't. Sewer actually did, he, he did what you want him to do, but then he did what you don't want him to do because he. He put pressure on and made O'Sullivan pass the ball. But and then he engaged and sort of took himself out of the defensive line. So, yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was late and not needed. But, I, I, yeah, that was just my gut after watching it, and that's my opinion. Well, I'll jump the queue then on one of the tackles I had here because my next tackle uh, well, wasn't going to be this one, but it will be now, is that exact debate around halves and you know, what, what is the line? How far can you go? Because I'm all for player protection, but in particular, to me, they can't go completely unmarked. Like, I see the inconsistency again in some of the trials where I see the Sam Walker tackle from James Tarmow and go, that's fucking horrendous. Like, that's dangerous and nothing comes of it. But then I see someone like O'Sullivan who wants to dance in the devil's playground and engage the line and we're telling forwards or, you know, some blokes yeah, basically... Yeah, if he's going to go to the line like that, he's entitled to go to the line. Just like... Um, Sewer's entitled to tackling but Sewer didn't wrap his arm like Sewer went in and, and smashed him after he's passed the ball he, there was no wrapping motion in what Sewer did like it wasn't a shoulder charge but there was also no intent to tackle him so he's entitled O'Sullivan's entitled to get tackled but he's also entitled to be tackled legally so I like, I get what the mindset is there. Like, I'd be telling my players the same thing, you know, like, get into him if you can. But I, I just think there's got to be that line where, yeah, like, if he comes into the line, but you, you don't have to... You're trying to hurt him. I think I think there's probably a little bit of intent there to try and to try and hurt him. And I know it's a physical game, but there's probably, there's, there's probably got to be that understanding that the game has changed a little bit. So just tackle him. Like, you're entitled to... To tackle him hard, I, I thought it was more of a collision, and um, it was Sewell was more. He wasn't trying to tackle him; he was trying to bash him, and he just saw the opportunity there with a half coming into the line, like you said, to put a bit of a lick on him, which is you know what's happened in the game for a hundred years. But I, I think that mindset's probably got to change a little bit, and we've got to change as a game and think well. Yeah, like halves are entitled to be to go to the line, but they're also entitled just to be tackled like anyone else. Yeah, well, I still think at the same time, like I said, if you ease off or you get hesitant around halves or you get a bit complacent as a defender, you're leaving yourself in a position where essentially you, you sort of leave yourself a fair bit open and they're playing... I, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I don't think... No one's asking um, players to not tackle halves like anyone else. I just think... There's, there's probably just that mindset which has been bred into, you know, it's bred into us, it's bred into all players 
if you can get you get a hit on the on half, then you do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the part that's got to change. Because yeah, you want to get them, like we said, kickers. It's, it's sort of similar to kickers, and you know, you look at the NFL, and we, we tend to sort of follow the NFL from a distance. But you know, they've moved in the last sort of decade, five years, to protecting kickers, protecting quarterbacks, protecting you know those people that are vulnerable. And we're sort of doing the same thing, aren't we? We've we've sort of moved to you know trying to protect halves because a lot of they were getting hit in the back, and they were getting hit after they've passed the ball. Far worse than that one that Jaden Sewer put on yeah. the other night. Um, but also, like you said, the, the one, the, the timeout one on Sam Walker, like, I, I, I don't understand how that's not a simbin. Well, this you is look at point. some of the things that players get simbin for, and then you, you look at that, and you're like, that's just blatant intent and foul play, but yet there's no 10 in the bin for that. So I think we've got some things mixed up, and we're always going to debate, you know, what's more serious than something else, but. Yeah, yeah well, I just think the mindset's got to change. I, I, yeah, and, and I think you'll probably see more halfbacks develop if we go into the mindset that we're not just going to murder them and bash them and try and take them out of the game every time they engage the line. So it's it's a fine line because if you let the halves just run, uh, run free, they're obviously going to carve a defence up. So we've just got to find that middle balance, I think. Mm. And that's more the point. Like I'm not saying you hurt a half, but no, a half, half deserves as much punishment as I cop as a middle or a back row who runs a dirty line and may get hit a suspect or you know like there's certain things where when you when you get into that ground and you're starting to dig into the line, like yeah. you, you deserve to be hit as much as anybody yeah, else. That's, that's probably the, this report hold up my point. Like would Jaden Stewart have tackled a front row the way he tackled Sean O'Sullivan after he passed the ball? The answer to that is no, and that probably highlights my point. Um, yeah, I think the other one again from the weekend. When I look at the Sewell one, which again we're, we're differing, and we're not arguing about what we're differing on. Uh, like the Teague Wilton again was another one. Teague Wilton got Moses in the air. It didn't end up being too bad a result. Like he wrapped the legs and took him down, but he's airborne. Like for me, there with halves, you, you put that pressure on. It's well, basically we, we didn't we didn't disagree with that. I agree with that. No, it's basically a known quantity now. But I look at those ones as compared to the Sewell one, and I'm not saying like that hit. He's not bad. Yeah, the timeout, the timeout one was far worse than the Teague Wilton one. Yeah, but that's gone on. You know unpunished yeah. as well so I'm sitting there kind of going well the other one is rugby league 101 if you're going to engage the line and that's you know in a passing motion and he's got there like slow-mo makes it look bad but in fast motion I thought well bloody hell I don't know how you pull out of it like he's fully locked and loaded but I look at the other yeah, one and I'm so like, I disagree I think he could have pulled out of it I look at the other one with the kicks and go well you know there's almost no reward now for much contact in kick pressure unless you get there early enough just to wrap your arms and take them to the ground but when they're airborne there's no need to touch a half yeah, there's well and truly enough time if, if you really out. want to eradicate it like I oh, yeah I'm happy to give a bit of an insight but I, I sort of coach um, pressure and catch and, and what that is is that you know I, w- I want my defenders to go and pressure the kicker but <clears throat> when they get there I want them to either tackle them to the ground or I want them to um, t- tackle them and hold them up. Just let them know you're and, there. And actually secure them. Um, if they're in the air, then you run past them because you've achieved, you've obviously achieved your purpose. You've made them kick before you get there, which mm. is what you want. Uh, that's what you want. You want you want them to hopefully shank their kick. That's what kick pressure is all about. And you want to be doing it from the inside. However, if you happen to get there and they've still got the ball, then it's always that 
just that my philosophy is like just go and tackle them normally. And if you do get there and they because halves are trying to milk those penalties for contact while they're kicking. Hundred percent. So you've sort of got to, as a coach trying to eradicate that risk, and so it's always just go and um, go and tackle him normally and and actually hold him up. Don't allow him to dive. Is my philosophy. So go and get there, tackle him, and then hold him, hold him up. Um, but that, that's just my take. I'm not saying it's the perfect take or it's the right take, but that's just how I try to get my players to achieve not only kick pressure, but also mitigate the risk to the kicker and mitigate the risk that we're going to have a penalty against us because, you know, they've hit him and knocked them over or hit them while they're in the air. Yeah, I agree 100%. And no, no different to that stationary kick when they're actually planted and they're still in the motion or you get there in the motion and they just wrap and take them to ground. There's nothing wrong with that. But those airborne ones in particular on those bomb efforts or where they get themselves off the ground and basically put themselves in that no-fly zone. Like, if you're in there and you're around the ball, I've got no problem with it. But if you're hitting them when they're in the air, like, you just ask to be penalised or getting in trouble. It's just... Yeah. it's not that, That's, again, that, that that's an area compared to... It's also, like, as a, as a coach, you want... You want to put into the kicker's head that the defenders are close. So, yeah. like, I, I want my players to touch the kicker, but I, I don't want them to knock him over. I don't want them to shoulder charge. I don't want them to do anything that's going to either a hurt the opposition player or b risk giving away a penalty. No, you just want that half. The next time he gets the ball, to think, "Geez, oh, I better get rid of this because I, you know, he got hands on me last time." Yeah, you want him to know that he doesn't have all day yeah. to kick and that's that right. he has to get the ball. Good clean catch in his hands, quick transition to the boot. You want him to know that he needs to get the job done and be quick and decisive with where That's he wants right. the ball. And and with that said, there's more risk. There's more chance of him getting it wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's the simple philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we move on from that one. And again, I know you said before it's not something you really want to talk about, but I only want to quickly address it, not to the level of uh, I that. Some people have brought up, but it's the more holistic point of view again, and that's just the Tigers. Um, we're only two games in. We knew they had a couple of injuries in the off-season and things leading in, but a lot of positive news. Things were fairly quiet. The off-field signings, and then we've gone from a solid effort last week to falling over in the back 20 to, you know, a couple of players going and having a slap before the game, which, again, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. They weren't on the beers. They weren't out all night. But it's just not smart. Like, you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to dob you in. Fans are going to get a hold of it. Media's going to get a hold of it. And then it just feeds into everything. And then we're hearing again about Brooks is now unhappy. He was denied two, you know, two requests in the offseason to be released. They come to Alagi this week. They find out that he's obviously going to Manly. So that's another thing that comes up. Pressure on Madge Maguire again. And this whole Tigers furor and image just gets fueled again by these small incidents. And it's just, you know, awareness. Like, you've, you've got to be aware when you're these guys that... The club's under that much pressure. They haven't made the finals in over a decade. There's a lot going on. The last thing they really needed, even though, again, like I said, it's only a small thing, was to have two guys out playing the pokies the night before for an hour at the pub and then coming out and laying an absolute egg. It was a horrendous performance. I think it's fucking stupid that we're even talking about it. Like, who cares if they went and played pokies, really? Like, I, the, the result is what's causing all these other issues. So, like... You can call the Tigers a losing culture, and they are. What changes that? Winning. Yeah, I'm so just more players, saying. No, no one would be saying anything if if they won the game. Yeah, but just so don't. That's the issue for the West Tigers at the moment. Like, instead of worrying about padding over all this shit that the media spins up, they, they've just got to focus on winning footy games, and that's the conversation you've got to have with those players, and just understand that 
this is what happens when you go and do shit like that yeah. and you, you don't win. That's yeah. it. That, that's the conversation that needs to be had and then you move on. But, yeah, the screaming media, I just think, fuck, like, who cares? Yeah, I, I, it's not even that. It's, it's more... It's news day if that's, you know, the, the most interesting fucking story that can, can be presented, so... Yeah, it's like more internally we're trying to get... How about they actually analyse the performance and look at the deficiencies in what's happening at the West Tigers? Yeah, I 100% with with that. My point is... You know, we we spoke about it last week. I thought they played a really, really nice brand of footy in the first half. Mm. But on the weekend, they they lacked energy, they lacked punch, they they looked like they lacked a game plan. Um, They they really couldn't break Newcastle down without taking anything away from Newcastle. The West Tigers looked... Looked inept. I think if you really want to educate fans on why they're losing, like show them why they're losing on the field. Don't just draw attention to everything off the field. And of course, like the whole Tim Sheens and Magic McGuire stuff will spin up again. Like they desperately need a they need to win this weekend, the Tigers. But like, and, and this is the thing. This is probably the issue as well. That you know, even if they win this weekend, it doesn't mean these issues go away. Do you know what I mean? It's just like winning, winning solves everything. It's what it seems to, in terms of pressure and media attention. So, yeah, I think realistically, like the Madge and the players, they've got to be in the business of getting better on the field, and they do that by focusing on footy, not you know, not who was out playing pokies the night before. Right? It, it's probably just like you said, it just needs to link back into performance. Like, if you're going to go and fucking do that, then play Yeah, well. win. But my point here, like yeah. I said, we're not in a position where we can give these things away because regardless, you know what's coming. Yeah, what are we saying then? What do you want them to do? Just sit in the hotel room or not? No, but when you're away on a trip and surely for one night you can stay in your room the night before a game and you don't have to go tap the bloody, you know, Bricky's laptop. Like, surely you can do yeah, that I during the week. I understand. Like, it's a Saturday, it's a Saturday night. They're in... They're away from home. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that you'd find that most teams who are on the road would probably go out the night before a game, whether it's to a restaurant or whether it's to go and see a movie or whether it's, you know, to go for a walk. I just think they've probably made the wrong choice in that they've gone and had a slap. But That's all I'm saying. I don't, I don't have a problem yeah, with slap. I, my I, point think, is... I think if you said to every NRL team, how many of you stay in your hotel, solely in your hotel room the night before a game, I think the percentage it did would be very, very low. Yeah, but it's but more it's exactly... The activities that they'd be participating in would be different. It's that activity. That's the whole point I'm getting at. And you're saying, like, again, a losing culture. Yeah, so it I think, are we outraged then at the activity? So I'm, I'm not outraged. Stage. I'm more to saying if I'm their coach, I'm like, I'd bring them in today. I wouldn't be screaming the house down. But I'm just like, we're not in a position here where we want to give any more fuel or any more attention to the negativity that's yeah, going on. I, I, I get it. Like, I, I get that. That's all yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. I'm not going to bite the head off over that. That's fine. But if all the days, like, boys, you can play the pokies during the week with your mates as a group when you go for a feed like a lot of teams do or they do your lunches but of all the nights did you have to go out the night before a game when we're you know looking to get a result and then we dish up what we do which just feeds into that um, you know absolute shitstorm again are we, so what are we saying that it's hurt their preparation is that what we're saying I'm just saying, like, be a little bit more aware about your activities go see a movie go out and putt putt or do whatever else yeah I, no, I'm just trying to work out why everyone's so upset about like I because their preparation was done that they trained all week they would have done their captain's run they would have done their video they would have had their team meetings 
the next, I guess, port of call would have been breakfast and, you know, then team meeting probably the next morning. Yeah. And, game day activity, you know, game to cricket, so walk. I, I don't see what how it would have impacted their performance. They weren't drinking, they went out late. They didn't miss anything. I, yeah, I, I guess you're probably just questioning, people are questioning the type of activity that they engage in. Yeah, okay. that's all I'm saying for them as a club. Again, if I'm at the Tigers... They, they're not fucking robots, they're entitled to... No, nah, I'm not saying that either, but... On on game day or trip, I'm like, this is business. Like, let's do our training. Let's have our feed. Let's spend some time together. Let's get a good night's sleep. Let's give no one any reason, like, to throw any more shit at us because that's all that's been happening recently. And they can latch on to something like this as much again. I'm with you. I don't agree with it. Well, they latch on when you lose. But they've latched on to this. The Brooks stuff, like, it's just all bang, 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 bang. It's like just a little bit more self-awareness is the only point I'm trying to make about where you are in particular or not before a game. That's all. Yeah. But I'm interested. Don't I, I don't see it as, as such a big deal. No, I'm interested to see more what plays out with the Brooks situation. They obviously didn't let him go. There was a huge link there with Newcastle. Newcastle end up landing Clune now, probably for a lot less. Yeah. They're only two games in. They win on the weekend. Things are looking pretty stable there. If that dries up, end of the year, I, I, I'm still adamant, regardless of the Tiger situation, that I think Luke Brooks needs to go somewhere else. Uh, maybe not Newcastle now. We see how the year plays out. But next year... I don't care where it is. He needs a fresh start. Oh, I think, yeah, it, like if he wants to get out, then go. Well, right now I don't know where he'd go because, unless the Raiders or someone had cat room with Fogarty out, but he's going to be back this year. Newcastle, like I said, were after him and up getting Clune. They'd be pretty happy at the moment. Um, I, I don't really see anyone else right now that would probably take him unless they're paying a significant chunk of what he's on or an opening right now for him to move somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on that side of things. But we move on. Uh, tackle four, the news around the Panthers and the double Cleary extension for five years. I think, again, a lot of people are a bit eerie on long-term contracts, whether it be coaches, players, etc. But, uh, you know, spying players, young guys, representative player, um, somebody who was there for the original building, or the rebuilding of the pathways and that, and obviously the difference with Gus is the reason he's left. He's come back. He flushed out the bad contracts. They've built a good roster again with those juniors internally, two grand finals in a row. I have no problem with this situation and making those two the cornerstone of the way you move forward. I think it'd be good business by Penrith, and in all honesty, if the TV deal, the salary cap, the way things are going, keep pushing up. Like, if, if you have someone like Nathan Cleary on a million, like, compared to Cherry Evans or Ponga right now on 1.2 or 1.3. I think that's unders, to be honest. Yeah, spot on. They've earned a five-year deal. I like that it's five, not ten. Yeah, and that's probably the other thing. Like Five is long enough, I think, in the current day and age. And um, how, old is, how old is Nathan now? He'd be, what, 23? 23, 24 max. Yeah, perfect. Five-year uh, deal is perfect. I, I, yeah, I, when I heard that this week, I thought that, that'd that's, be good. That's Ivan and, Ivan and Nathan. Ivan and Nathan, the duo. So moving forward, you've got those two. I'd be interested to see whether Ivan, five years, yeah, probably in five years. I think maybe at the end of that fifth year, maybe he'll he'll walk away. He's, he's coached for a fair while now. He's Still fairly he's, young. He must be going to th- close to 20 years. Yeah. yeah. He's, co- he's coached a lot of first grade, a lot of first grade. Yeah, well, and again, why would you want to... Wasn't he the longest tenured coach to ever win a premiership, I think? So, and to go another five on top, like, why why wouldn't he? I mean, 
maybe he'll go when Nathan goes. Who, who knows? But well, yeah, I, you look at him and you go, they, they've got a, a really, really nice five to ten year period coming. Yeah. And more importantly, again, they've already got that core like we spoke about last year. Your timeline accelerates when you have success. They had a really good group. The grand final, 19 year in a row, probably pushed their plan two years down the road. They had to make some critical decisions, but you'd think right now they've nailed most of them. They've got Nathan already locked in, but they're looking to extend. They've picked Luai over Burton, which, again, I think Luai could be a better player in the Penrith system, but they've gone with the connection. They've got Yo, who that lock role has evolved into what it has. They locked in Fisher Harris as their main enforcer. They made specific choices around five or six core guys, and then have said, "Okay, around this, with our junior development and our pathways, and these guys here, we feel like we can regenerate every year or two and put ourselves constantly in a top eight, top four, premiership type window if we select the right guys and we keep doing the right job around development." And I, yeah. I think they're doing that, and they've showed that with a few guys they've pushed in this year like your Isaac Tagos coming in and into the fold or Martin who's played a variety of roles and is now in that back row role. And then next year, you know, like Taylor May will get some more footy with Toto out. You've got a couple more guys that we've heard of coming through that they're developing. Like They'll just look to continually roll through and then make some key veteran purchases like you see with your, your Sorensons or getting a couple of games out of an Eisenhuth or plugging Momorowski in on an average deal for 12 months. Like that, that, That'll be the business for Penrith moving forward. Yeah, agree. Agree. So when I saw that news, I thought smart again, just to bring even more stability. But in particular, if if the coach is doing a good job, his son's there, um, he's the best player in the competition in terms of halves at this point, and still has room for growth. So uh, I think all positives for Penrith when heard about that. And uh, moving on to tackle five here, just more a point. I think the footy's been really good so far. I've quite enjoyed again the slight rule change. I think is really brought the game back to a more balanced point. And this week in particular, when I looked at this round, I'm, I'm quite excited. There's some awesome games, but I particularly love the rivalry games early on. Dragons-Sharks, I think, will be a cracker game. Roosters-Rabbitohs, regardless of where they are on the table. And, and Broncos-Cowboys have both showed some life. And then, you know, th- those... It's a bit of a subtle rivalry round, isn't it? Yeah. And then on the flip of that, like, there's some good games just in general, the way it's worked out. You've got the Tigers and the Warriors, who both haven't had a win yet. Desperate. You got Melbourne up against Para um, last year. Obviously, they, they got over Melbourne twice, and Harry Grant's been ruled out with COVID this afternoon, so that's huge. Canberra, the Titans, one win, one loss apiece. Both teams fighting for the bottom of the eight. Manly haven't won a game, and then you've got the Dogs, who they licked twice last year, who are much stronger. That, that That's a good game to watch. And then Newcastle. Newcastle, with some bookies, was thought to be a spoon contender. A 2 and 0 up against a Penner side that's had a couple of, uh, you know, injuries early on and it, it's not going to be a pushover going out to Bathurst and playing the night so um, I just thought really early on I've, I'm just really happy with the way the games have played out I'm enjoying that subtle change and think it's it's made a difference and made the contest better but yeah I just sat here and went yeah wow those three games and the way things are lighting up it's, it's been a really good start to the season yeah it has been I agree the um, <clears throat> the, the game sort of seems to have adjusted like the, we're not seeing those blowout scores at the moment. The total points is, I think, on average, it's nearly ten points lower than per game than last year. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And the other thing, last year, like you said, it wasn't. If it was forty or more points, like it was forty to ten or forty to foot, like it was literally yeah, a team which closer. I don't know whether it actually is, but I, I, I do feel as though 
it's it's a closer competition, but at, at, that's at this point in time. Mm. Let's just keep our powder dry and you know see how that all pans out in the long term. Yeah, and uh, tackle six, quick one again to sort of finish us off where we're at right now um, after the first two weeks. Probably no surprises with the Storm and Panthers. Two from two, you had the Roosters have a rough week and then bounce back. We, we said that it was going to take some time to gel. Souths are manly. I don't think many people would have thought they'd be 0-2 and struggling the way they are. And then you've got, obviously, coaches that came into the season under pressure, like Nathan Brown, Madge Maguire, 0-2. Is there anything that's really surprised you so far or anyone that's really stood out? Like I think Newcastle surprised me last week, not this weekend, but again, exceptional um, game that they played again on the weekend. I think you know the Sharks didn't haven't really surprised me. Good win on the weekend to pull that one into the bag, but time to grow. Um, I, I think for the most part so far, I haven't really been surprised by anyone. Uh, Newcastle, yeah, I've been surprised at how bad South have been. I thought they created plenty of opportunities. That's good. Nice. They, they were good. They were good in the last twenty the, um, the other night. But... Can't believe how many Alex Johnston put down. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know whether they're. This is just who they are, or they're just starting the year a little bit slowly. Mm, but Mel- Melbourne really impressed me the way they fought back this week. Probably the other way around, like started so well but couldn't go on with it, and then this week it's going to be a real test again. You got a tough team in <laughs> Parramatta and no Harry Grant, so if they can pull that out and go three from three to start with, you'd be very bloody happy regardless how you got the wins, but. Um, you know, yeah. the, the Roosters this weekend, some good signs and some good glimpses. But again, I haven't been impressed with Manly, so I don't know how much to take away from that. But they're going to take time. Yeah, they're probably the other one. They, they've surprised me at how how poorly they've started, Manly. Yeah, well, Bar- they, 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 were, they didn't give a whimper in either game, really. No, nah, Bar Schuster, they're, they're pretty much... And all anyone wanted to talk about in the preseason was that, you know, they were, they were going to be able to compete with those top-end sides. And they've been just... Donkey slap by both of them, really. Mm. And again, you, you got Penrith for that Cleary. But they, they did that last year, didn't they, when we spoke about it in, in the preseason as well. So. Well, I guess the important point, again, is it's, it's more those top four sides and two of them so yeah. far that we think will be top four sides. One coming off a hell of a lot of injuries and having to build into form, beat them pretty convincingly on the weekend. And then the week before, they got Penrith Clearyless and really copped it. It could have been 40. Yeah. So I think that's the worrying sign. The talk about Tom moving to centres is just stupidity. Um, but who yeah. was who said that? Oh, there was talk last week. I don't know who it was, but I saw a lot going around again, and just thought that's pretty ridiculous. And uh, the, the other part, I, like yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that. That's ridiculous. He won the Dalian Medal. Yeah, the, their medals need to. Origin top. football is Origin football because you have a loaded team. You have the best players, and you just fit them in. And your players so conducive to having all those players, but at a club level, he's Manly's best player by a country mile. Mm. And you don't he want needs to be a fullback. What they need to do is work out what teams are doing to nullify him to a degree, and they need to adapt. Mm. They need more from dummy half. They need more from their middles. They need more from their middle. There's a lot of areas that are letting them down, other than just that. And that right edge that I talked about at the back end of last year that was exposed by those better teams. The Roosters gave it an absolute workover on the weekend there, getting after Morgan Harper, DC, the space around those guys, and, and they yeah, found... Yeah, but that's not going away. Like, that's going to be an issue until they fix it. Mm, and that's what I mean. There's things that are still there from last year. Uh, you know, but, what's that old um, 
the old all black saying is, if you can't change a person, change a person. I think I think their philosophy was. Mm. So, yeah, if the, if the person keeps doing the same thing, then change him. <laughs> yeah, well. it's, it's going to become that. It's going to get to that point in time for some of those manly players. Mm, it'll be interesting. Schuster obviously brings another point of attack, but still, I think that's been overspoken about. Like, oh, that offers a point of difference. I'm like, well, again, if you don't have a go forward, you can't generate something to get to an edge. Yes, he offers a focal point when they're going forward, but if we're looking at things at the moment, they're basically trying to do everything to get the ball to Tom, and they're not generating enough go forward, and they're shifting for the sake of shifting. It's just not working. Like, no. You have to put a dent, and then you can open things up with Olakua to Tom Schuster when he eventually gets back, and you can have more focal points. But again, if if you can't win the ruck with the ball and without the ball, it's all backwards from there. It needs to start there, and then a lot of things can be fixed off the back of it. Yeah, but uh, that wraps up the set of six for this week. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Congrats to Jake, obviously, on uh, getting married on the weekend, like we said. Happy wife, happy life. It looks like uh, he's doing a pretty good job so far and all the best moving forward. But tackle those rising power bills with Penrith Solar Centre. Head on. They are the most passionate about helping Western Sydney customers Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how. Visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 202930. We move on now to our reviews from the weekend. Thank you to bluebet.com. .au, and the first one, Brock, was Storm versus Souths. Bellamy's 500th game, a win, uh, but overall, a pretty poor 80 minutes. I think Melbourne very dominant in the early periods. Souths just absolutely error-riddled. Harry Grant's difference in the middle, the width they played with the speed, just pouring through Souths. They come up with some absolute corker tries, but from their end of things, they were pretty much as sloppy, I thought, um, for the rest of the game, and couldn't really bank any opportunities and left the door open, plus a couple of sin bins to give South an opportunity at the back end. And my God, like they almost made 20 errors, barely completed at 50%. Johnston, like I said, usually so cerebral, had some opportunities. Cody, pass selection and frustration, put himself in, into a bit of a box at times and wasn't coming up with those moments. It, it, it was really a weird game, in all honesty. Yeah, it was, it was weird in that. Like it looked like Melbourne just had complete control of, until they didn't. And I, I thought probably the clock only beat South. Like if that game goes another five minutes, I think South probably win it. And then it, it went to Golden Point and South made an error and, and Melbourne put them away straight away. But yeah, you're right. I think South is still trying to find... I don't think they're trying to find a different style. I think they're just trying to establish some combinations and they've got some players they're learning in first grade. And, look, Melbourne are just having to consistently transform their team. They've had players out and players injured and you know, then, like you said, you had the, the sim binnings, which, which made a huge impact, but they just they find a way to win. You just you watching that game, and it, as soon as I went to goal and point, I'm like, yeah, Melbourne. Win it. Um, what what the troll did with that field goal was nothing short of brilliant. Like that was how how he and he's done that before as well. Like just long field goals. Uh, I think one was at Amy Park, actually, yeah, which might, might for the Roosters been about 40, 40 meters out. It's it's incredible how 
how he can kick the ball with so much power and have so much accuracy. Mm. Like he's a he's a freak. The way he kicks the ball is is incredible, and uh, he yeah he he almost proved the X factor, and he, it was enough to get them back into the game, but certainly not enough to win the game. So I, I think there's probably still some moving parts to happen there at, at South. Um, the Melbourne can just be happy like that. They, they haven't had anything really go their way in the first two weeks, and they but they still find themselves two from two. Yeah, and again, like I said, this week today they announced their team list, and yeah, not long exactly. after, you got Green out. So. And the, the worry about that is who who's he been in contact? Is there anyone else that hasn't had COVID yet? And is there more to come? Which is a genuine worry for this week. So yeah, um, that is fair. In terms of South, though, I, like I said, I saw some signs there, and especially in their shifts and. They got some space a few times, but execution at the moment is just lacking, like you said. I, I like the move that Demetrio made in-game. I, I think the Paulo thing, I was off before the season even started. Milne's played a lot more centre. He's a lot more aggressive defensively. Yes, at times he can get caught out, but I think he's still a better decision-maker and probably a better player for that position. Um, that, that change, I think, was a positive to get Paulo back on the wing, get Milne in the centres. I haven't seen the lineups yet, but hopefully he's gone that way this week. I also thought that Harvili in the back end there rolling, um, you know, brought a bit more stability and a bit more accountability to the ruck, which is pretty sad to say because Cook slowly over the last couple of years, it's sort of stagnated and he's done his job in origin. And again, there's a lot of good players around him and he's pushed in the middle or taken a couple of opportunities. But I honestly thought after that breakout season that early in the year after, we saw some signs of he was adding strings to his bow, but for a six to eight week period it looked like that a bit more kicking a bit more finesse but I don't know with the rule changes or where things have gone he's just got it in his head that he has to run but he's making some really poor decisions and he's not playing well yeah they're all fair points uh, he's struggling I think with his deception Cook and he's also struggling just to know how to manage a relationship between him and the seven I think and they, they also don't, like, they're not knocking the front door down a lot, are they, really, for him to get out and do his thing. So there's, there's a few underlying issues there. Yeah, it's more like when he runs, it's just, it's against that beach sprint, where I hate using that line because that's what he was, but even some of the short side jumps, it's not with vision, it's not with deception, it's not I see numbers, it's just like quick play the ball, bang, I'm running, and he's just running and then just throwing a pass. Like, he's chucked one on the ground, he's throwing one on the sideline. Like, if you're going to jump out of dummy half, you look at what he's doing and then you look at what Harry Grant did. Like, Harry Grant's peeling out of there and finding space or isolating someone or putting a pass on. It's like over a couple of years, you would have expected a little more development in some of those areas. Like, not not just running for the sake of running. Yeah. Um, and in particular, like we said now, I think Cody's shouldering a hell of a lot more and Latron made a bit of a difference the other night, like a, a big difference. He, he was a little bit erratic as well, but you can tell that's going to be a huge help between those two. But I think Cook is... Still, the one I'm sort of looking at, going. I, I, I'm still looking for more. They made a huge investment after that big year. He's been solid, if not you know, above average, still in his origin role. But for South, I don't really think they've got return on investment the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So, um, you know, Ilias again. People can say what they want, but like you said, he's a kid learning in first grade. I think more importantly for someone like that, he's holding his own defensively, um, kicking at times. He kicked one out on the full the other night, but. The one's inside 20. He's dropping him inside. Like, he's only going to get better. He's only a kid. But, yeah, definitely needs a little bit more help. Agree, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, if you make almost 20 errors, and especially down at Melbourne, I'm surprised the game ended the way it did, but they'll take the two points and they'll move on from that one. Um, the Panthers-Dragons, kick out his 100th game. Great night for him. Um, that, that video during the week, a lot of people would have seen that Panthers were getting his family over for that. I, th- I thought that was awesome. And my takeaway from this, I thought the Dragons did very well, considering the two Sinbins, um, you know, and, and coming into the game against a team like Penrith or a heavyweight. And again, I know there was no Cleary, and they lost Laota. Like, they're a couple of men down. They lost Fish early. But I, I thought the Dragons gave them all they could handle, and, and then some. In all honesty, um, I thought it was a, a real solid effort. But I obviously, like I said, disagreed with the sewer tackle. I didn't think it was late when I watched it. Like, slow-mo made it look worse. So that bidding I disagreed with. The other one with Lomax I watched. Did he change his line? Like, I, I think his feet were sort of planted. But I can see where the referee's going for. But I, I didn't think it was a try-scoring opportunity. Um, but overall, like I said, to lose Fisher-Harris, to lose Toto... To not have a Cleary, the, the, the damage was done fairly early. Um, but again, a bit like Melbourne for Penrith, losing players and under pressure early on when you're the hunted, they got the job done. Yeah, they, like winners win. Just, it seemed like uh, in that last 10 to 15 minutes that the Dragons were just going to come and get them, and they didn't. That sim bidding did have an impact on the game because Penrith were, were able to put some points on during that time. Um, yeah, look, I know the Dragons didn't win, but I think they'll take a lot out of this that performance. I thought the crowd was unreal as well. Like, it seemed like a legitimate um, home ground advantage, which I think in years gone by, like Jubilee, they haven't got great crowds and great support there, probably since they were in that little premiership um, run or minor premiership run and into the premiership in, in 2010. But, it, yeah, it looked hostile and loud and a little bit crazy and at um, Jubilee, which is a credit to, to the Dragons fans. Uh, but Penrith, Penrith were clunky, but, yeah, they, they just found a way to, to get it done. And again, they've got some moving parts as well. They lost the Yoda. That's just, um, yeah, they don't really want to play their best footy at the moment. But, uh, again, similar to Melbourne, they've, um, they're two from two. And I think... A point you made before I got to see the game, they were three from three with challenges, so there were some key moments where they could yeah, have been... Yeah, I felt like they... Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. They, I felt like Penrith challenged really, really well um, to the point where I thought it made an impact on the game, like it impacted 100%. the result. 100%. Mm. You look at the Which... final score and you pull three of those out with our situations where they're going to be under pressure or facing a repeat yeah. set and they get a challenge. That's, and... that's the comment I made to you on Saturday when you sort of said to me, did you see it? I said, yeah, I think the difference was Penrith's challenges. They came up with some really, really good challenges in some really key positions at times of the game when they're under pressure and they're able to gain possession or a penalty and uh, get on the front foot. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I think... Uh, Really, if I'm a Dragons fan, I'm feeling pretty good about my footy side. I think they're playing a nice physical brand of footy and uh, they've got some exciting uh, outside backs. And hopefully their forwards can continue to do a job for them for, for the 25 rounds. Mm, well, particularly, look at, you know, I think it was Molo on Fisher-Harris earlier. Like, if you're going to go after a Penrith or you're going to go after yeah. a Melbourne, like, that's the way to do it. There's no way 
in, in coming forward by going backward. If you're going to take on those teams, it starts in the middle. And that's sort of the point, again, we're making about a team like Souths or a team like Manly. If you want to challenge those sides and you want to be a heavyweight, you have to go after the you know their big boys. You have to win the middle of the field. So they, they certainly made a statement in that game. And um, again, one to seven, I think they're looking pretty sharp. It's just like you said, if they could maintain that forward pack and the bench and find the right balance. He's used a couple of different guys. He had Tarek in this week. He obviously had George in, who potentially may be in or out pending a, a charge at the moment. I think it's being reviewed and it's not a hundred percent clear yet what's going to happen there. But um, you know, having Tarek, Jack. Molo Woods was in and now he's out again but we said it in the off season they have so many options and they, they've bought up heavy in the forwards and they've still got Maguire to come back Sewer even despite that tackle um, I thought did some real positive things in attack and come back out with a right intent afterwards so overall I can Hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sort of understand a little bit of frustration from fans and um, about the result and the way things went. But overall, if I'm a Dragons fan after the last couple of years, I, what I've seen the first two rounds, I, I'm optimistic that there are a big chance to make the eight. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah. Penrith, like you said, get the job done. And it's those similar guys again. Kickout obviously had a big game for his 100th, but... You know, Lanou come up with a couple of big moments um, having to fill in. And in short stints, the one-on-one strip, the crashing try. Um, Arpy, I thought, tackled his backside off. And that, that little bit of subtlety we, we talk about before and Cook needing to come up with at the line there to put Lanou through. Yo again was huge. Tago, I thought, was impressive again. Um, but yeah, for the Dragons, Benny Hunt certainly looks a lot more settled this year in the, in the seven jumper again. And I thought he played quite well along with, uh, you know, some other players in their team. But, yeah, some good signs for the Dragons. So really keen to see this weekend, like you said, what sort of crowd rolls in for the Derby against the Sharks down at Wynn Stadium. Sorry, mate, you cut out a little bit there. Uh, so just really looking forward to uh, seeing off the back of two good efforts by the Dragons, hopefully a big crowd down at Wynn Stadium as well against yeah, the Sharks. 100%, yeah, it's a fortress down there, particularly to with a derby so that, that's going to be uh, I'm really really looking forward to that game on Thursday mm, and that's the thing it's a, it's a it's a hard one the Thursday game but hopefully um, after what those two teams have seen they're both optimistic and we get a big crowd yeah nice suburban ground close to home Thursday night should be, should be okay it, it tends to be those big stadiums when you have those big stadiums in you know the out of town teams coming in that, that you struggle to get a crowd but I think Wollongong will be kicking on Thursday night yeah and uh Hooker situation will be under question. They'll probably end up naming him by, I'm assuming. Um, Maguire's an option, but he comes back. I'm not big when they do that. And your other option would be to finally bring up the kid, Connor Mulheisen, who they've given some time, come to their flag system. Um, so what they end up doing, again, we'll, we'll get to later on when we look at our tips and previews, thanks to bluebet.com.au. But uh, more than likely, I'm assuming Moses Zimbal will be the, the hooker with McCulloch dislocating that elbow. 
But, yeah, uh, Penrith, Toto out six to eight weeks, potentially four best case scenario. Not sure, but Taylor May, ready-made replacement. He's obviously not Brian, but in the games he played last year was very, very good. So, again, a, a test early for Penrith and their situation in terms of health. Yeah, not ideal, but they've, they've got uh, very competent and capable replacements there. Yeah. Uh, we move on to the Roosters versus Manly, and this one I think can be summed up quite simply. It was the first half blitz. The Roosters just blew them off the park. Um, we saw a much better gelling, I guess, in particular of the halves, the balance between Kiri and Walker. The, the week before, a lot of things felt forced, a little bit disjointed. That wasn't the case the other night. felt like the, uh, the forwards did their job more so. There was a bit too much passing week one. Laid a really good platform. The halves found a better balance. The link play between Radley as well, and in particular that left edge, as I spoke about there, attacking side at the right side of Manly, Cherry Evans, Harper. Um, they just toyed with him. Walker in particular, really dangerous the few times he ran and had lived, come up with a couple of nice kicks to force some dropouts. And, and Kiri, the way he got them around the field and, and steered things, um, I think there was a lot of positives confidence-wise for the Roosters the other night just to knock out some of those plays and, hit their back rows and do a little bit more of what we probably expected yeah, week one. we need to remember this. It was like a second trial for the Roosters. Basically. This, half that team has played no trials and barely had a preseason. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I they think, were significantly better than they were first week. Yeah. I also like the move at nine. Um, I thought Hutchison looked really trim the week before and I wondered why, but the way they started with him, I think probably just utilises kind of Watson's skill set a bit more. He just gave good yeah. service. He offered a kick. A beautiful left foot kick for a 40-20. Um, yeah, exactly. Defends well, does that job. And then when they brought Watson out when they'd already taken the lead and sort of been dominating, he just unleashed. He jumped out of dummy half. He, he put Nat Butcher over for a try, and he was dangerous, just probing once he got on the field. Mm. So lots of positives. And again, don't want to go too much about the Roosters because we'll see better and better of them as the weeks go on. But yeah, I think... Just more comes to, like we said, get some minutes yeah, under. I don't think the good part of it, like the first two tries were on that left-hand side, Walker's side. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, he had a big hand in both of them. So, yeah, that's, that's a good sign because you know what Kira can do. Oh, 100%. And I think, again, um, the scarier part is they haven't really used Manu a whole lot yet. They've no, sort of shuffled no. their centres and their wingers. So once they get a bit more stability between where he's going to be, Momorowski, is Smith that other wing... Tedesco had a real tradesman-like game on the weekend. He was busy, but again, hasn't been injected as much. So as they figure out the, the cogs and the keys again, like there's still lots to be utilised here for the Roosters. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's a real positive. But for Manly, again, if, if you don't win the middle, yeah, you know, and you, that gets pulled apart, they can pull through, it exposes your edges, it isolates players. Attacking-wise, similar deal. Like Tom can't be effective without a platform. If you don't have a platform... And you're coming out of a corner and you're coming off slow, play the balls, and they put you on one side of the field and they're hunting from the inside and put more pressure on. There's only so much one man can do. Like Manly's got a lot of things that need to be fixed up. Um, the only real positives I'm seeing at the moment generally come off Ola Kawatu play the balls because he's the only guy sort of making a dent or pressure, but similar deal again. Last year when their middles did step up and when the rules probably were more apt to where they were playing, and again, unfortunately, it was mostly against lower ranked sides, they pull the middle apart. They get to those back rowers, they crash, they drag bodies in, pulls the, the field apart and it opens things up for Schuster and Tommy Trebojevic and Cherry Evans and Foran and these guys to then play a bit more football. But at the moment, uh, 
I think I think it all starts with their middle and everything, you know, kind of rolls off the back of that, which is just not happening. That's exactly right. Yeah, they um, you know, we're going to keep banging on about it, but they've got to win the middle of the field to unlock those edges. Their their outside backs, in terms of their edge D, has been pretty poor. Uh, their halves have been ineffective to a large degree because they haven't had anything to really play off and Turbo's been nullified. So sides have sort of worked out the formula to beat Manly and now it's up to them to to change that narrative and start winning some of those little individual battles. Yep, 100%. So interesting to see how they go this week and they've got the Bulldogs who last year they put two pretty bad lickings on but the Bulldogs are certainly not the same side they were in 2021 so they're not no um, it's no pushover but certainly again if if Manly want to play finals or be that team that think they're around for a top four spot these are the sort of games that we expect them to win so need to see a lot more this way that's for sure Um, but yeah disappointing I, I had a bit of hope for that game just because those two usually have big clashes but the first half sort of put it to bed and then the second half was just Error riddled and poor, and even with glutz of possession, they they couldn't come up with much. Took a dummy half try, and that late try was a good one, but it was yeah, it was it was too little, too late. They were very stagnant the way they played. Yeah. All right, twenty to eighteen, Warriors Titans, a close one, and the Titans get a win. That's that's got to be a positive feel as a Titans fan because last year it was basically win yeah, big. Game probably lost. Yeah, win big or lose big was generally the go, but to uh, you know go down tight week one and show some fight and hang in there and then jag this one week two, you have to be happy about that. Yeah, happy with a win, but I don't think they played as well as what they did in round one. So that was probably <clears throat> something that needs to be needs to be looked at. But uh, look, I think they kept the Warriors to nil in the second half, which is a positive. And they, they actually kept Parramatta to a respectable score in the second half last week as well. So... Yeah, their second half defence is good. Just getting that first half defence right uh, would be a nice, a nice start. But uh, yeah, always, always good to win, and, and particularly first home game against what you know has been a bogey side for the Titans. Yeah, and I think again, like you said last week, the, the the forward pack can more than match it with anyone in the competition. I think the outside backs are strong, and they've got even more depth today. Picking up Azarco, which is it, a real bargain depth wise, because I think Parramatta were almost certainties to get him in last minute. I don't know if the Titans were involved earlier in discussions or they've just come in, but they've got him in their squad for a last spot. Like, I look at Parramatta and think that they need him a lot more than what the Gold Coast do, but that, that's a, a great grab. But it's more just the spine. And again, we've said that moving forward. I look at mainly Clark, but if Sexton and Brimson in particular works and Brimson can stay on the field, which is a big concern with Campbell, I think if they got a nine and they fixed their defensive attitude... They've got the pack and they've got the outside backs. So like the squad is is building really, really well, but it's just adding those last touches, which is defending for eighty minutes and putting more pride into that side of the ball than their attack and just finding probably one more key member to the spine while developing those other guys. And it could be a top four and future, you know, side like to threaten in the years to come. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? Mm. But. Um, Regardless, like we said, tight results weren't their thing. It was win big or lose big last year, but good to see two weeks in a row. Uh, they've been in the fight, and they can definitely build on that. Uh, positive, what we said, but to see. Like, pressure's got to be building on Nathan Brown as well. Oh, 100%. Like, we, we keep talking about um, keep talking about the West Tigers, and I know that they're easy conversation to have, but 
you know, that a lot of people were sort of, oh, you know, Brownie's the man and Brownie's, you know, he'll turn that joint around and he shouldn't have been sucked from Newcastle. But, I mean, he's gone to the Warriors and they're, they're doing the same thing. Todd Payton had him flying before he left. So, yeah, I think they're also, like, I'm not saying that he, he should be punted or he should be under pressure, but there's going to be some questions asked if he you know, starts the season 0 3. Yeah, and again, I think, you know. And, and in winnable games, like, they're going to have Titans, um, Dragons, and, uh, and Tigers. So they're, they're probably middle of the pack games that they would have expected to compete and probably win half of. Yeah, they're looking to win. I think similar deal for them. Not the best start in terms of injury. They've changed their halves combination for a third week in a row. No Harris, and obviously they've been uh, the nomads of the league the last year and a bit, so I think they'll cut him a little bit of slack in that regard, but I certainly think both games are winnable, and he said as much himself. He, he wasn't hiding from it in the press conference. He said it's not good enough. We're not developing players anymore. They've turned the roster over pretty well with him and O'Sullivan since he moved in. Um, it's time to start winning, and, and that start in particular was unacceptable. <laughs> Well, exactly right. Yeah. So he's definitely—he's not shying away from it. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've got quality players. Once Harris, like I said, gets back in the mix with Fanua Blake and Curran, who's been outstanding, and so much so that Brad Fittler's mentioned him as a you know contender for the New South Wales side, which is big after two games. Um, but simple errors, like back into the game there, they had a couple opportunities to score and just bombed them. But same deal—you you just want consistency. They've had different fullbacks, three different halves combinations already, like. That can't keep happening. They, they need some stability in those key positions. I think the forward pack's more than adequate. Um, and, that, and those simple errors and those lapses. That there's enough talent there on the Warriors side to win games, that's for sure. Yeah. But we'll move on from that one. Sharks-Eels. Uh, good game to watch. Good contest. And back at the prison. And surprise, surprise. Said it last week. I'll tip the Eels. But I wasn't confident because the prison, the Bermuda Triangle, weird shit happens when, when you go there and they win on the 80th minute. Um, but... Good signs again. Um, I thought this was pretty yeah, much they, summed they up. Yeah, they probably should have won it earlier. Parramatta were paddling for a long period of time and the Sharks just couldn't find that killer blow, but eventually they did. Yeah, and I think positive there of their attack. Four tries to two, obviously some penalties and a little bit of ill-discipline kept the Eels in the loop in terms of uh, kicking a couple of penalty goals. And Nico Hines' goal kicking probably could have given them a bit more breathing room or space, but uh, he kicked the one that mattered. Scored on the 80th minute, that short pass to Teague Wilton, who, you know, gets a positive result there after probably getting away with that tackle earlier in the game. But I think the biggest positive out of this one was it was a huge game by Nico Hines. Um, week one, a little bit sketchy, but as to be expected, brand new team, hasn't been playing at the halves, transitioned more to a fullback role. Now you're running the front line with Moylan, who, again, is essentially the same sort of player, a running fullback. Um, I, I thought they combined quite well in the weekend. They were both dangerous. It was, it was Moylan's best game in a while also. And um, all around, I, I thought the particular, the, the three-piece between the halves and, and Kennedy, who's just quality, the way they moved edge to edge and how crisp they looked on some of their shift plays. Uh, there's some real positives, and I'll be interested to see this week. He's got Trindle named on the bench if there's a late reshuffle or if he persists with Moylan and uh, obviously Hines. But the big thing, I guess, we brought up long-term is... I think Trindle may be a better goal kicker and I think he's a better general play kicker, in particular in those short attacking areas. But it's never a bad thing if you're a coach and you've got multiple options in key positions, that's for sure. That's exactly right, yeah. 
And keep it fairly simple, I would imagine, would be the philosophy moving forward. Yeah. Um, for Arthur, I think he pretty much summed it up that, you know, they they wanted to do the stuff to finish the game off before they've done the hard work. And they had a habit of doing this the last couple of years and I really, really hoped that the back end of 2021 would be the blueprint to look at those games where they toughed it out against Melbourne. It hasn't been that, has it? And, you know, round one we saw them try to play an under-20s game with the Titans. Um, I, even though I thought they were tough in the middle, they still wanted to attack probably a little too much. And then we seen again on the weekend. Um, they didn't want to get involved in the nitty-gritty as much. They wanted to move the football. And they've certainly got the pack. And I think they know they've got the players. But they, that balance again sometimes. Some weeks, it's just not there. And they probably overplayed their hand trying to shift for the sake of shifting rather than getting involved with Cronulla, who wanted to make it physical in the middle of the field. Yeah, exactly. So I just felt like they were paddling probably 10 or 15 minutes out from full time. They were, they were there to be beaten. Cronulla couldn't get it done against Canberra, but they they got it done this week. Yeah, but um, good effort, good result. Um, good to see, like I said, Moylan, Hines, Kennedy in particular, that, those plays and the way they were was outstanding. Good to get McInnes a short run after such a cruel, cruel few a year and a bit. Hopefully he can build up his minutes in the next few weeks. He'll be a big addition for them. Finucane was huge. Ueli was good. Um, like I said, some positives there. Week two and the Eels, yeah, maybe a little bit of a step backwards, but yeah, I thought Campbell Gillard was pretty good. Papa Lee did a lot of dirty work on Sung, and I thought Brown was a positive in this game. Brown ran a lot, created some opportunities, just got back to doing more of what we come to expect of him the first season he played and um, hopefully that continues he had 17, 18 runs 185 metres, he was really positive with the football so um, if they lay a better platform for him, I think moving forward uh, that's a real good sign but yeah, a bit of a mixed bag again they they jagged that one last week, there was an opportunity to get a good win against someone else, two weeks in a row teams that have been talked about for the eight now they roll into Melbourne without Harry Grant which is a positive, hopefully more players but if Parramatta come out of these first three weeks, one and three against those bigger sides, I think they'll be disappointed. Definitely. So, interesting one to watch this week. But uh, the Cowboys, Raiders, certainly one that no one expected results-wise, but full credit to the Cowboys. Um, death by a thousand cuts, they were pretty consistent. They chipped away with their halves. I think you saw that Chad certainly brings something that Tom Dearden hasn't had, and it's really had a, a profound impact in a short space of time. I thought Dearden was really dangerous, really busy. He was a good defender, but it sort of freed him up to run a bit more as well, which he does well. Um, but the Raiders were their own worst enemy. If you complete it 56% in a game and, you know, some of their errors, some of the situations, the Hudson Young sitting bin, there's just things that you look at along the way and they certainly didn't help themselves. But I'm, I'm not going to take away from what the Cowboys did because I thought, again, they're young. Yeah, the conditions and they were, they were in it though, Campbell, weren't they? Till late and... Yeah, yeah it was good enough to get the win late, but yeah, I think we spoke about those conditions on last week's show. It's yeah, very very difficult place to go and play. Hundred percent, and I think that was the point I was going to make for the Cowboys, and the reason I didn't want to give them the spoon. I think their home hasn't been as much of a fortress as it should be the last couple of years, but now particularly with the new stadium, some good young players, and if they can get Holmes, Tamalolo, Chad to be the leader, I think a couple of wins at home will be enough to get them away from a few of those other teams, like your Tigers, your Bulldogs at the moment, who are one-on-one, like teams that we're talking about being close at the bottom. But I think up there alone should be worth at least six wins if you're playing 10 games there. Yeah, okay. So, 
yeah, there were some good signs, like I said, particularly the halves and a lot of talk around Peyton and Tamalolo. I thought he was much more effective this week and, yeah, that Hiku, I think, has had a good effect on their young outside backs. He, he's been really busy the first two weeks, plenty of yardage work, plenty of carries, generating offloads as well. Tualagi continues to look good and then seeing, like, Nanai, Griffin Neem's stint on the weekend, Luki, like, there's a lot, lot to like there, again, building for the future. It's not a finals team right now, no doubt about that, but positive moves in their pathways. Some of those guys I saw on the trials that'll move up in the next 12 to 18 months. If they just stay the course and if there is anything going on behind the scenes, they nut it out. Um, I think they're heading the right direction and the right way to correct some of those salary cap mistakes that we talked about. Sorry, mate, you cut down in and out a little bit. I was just saying, I think if they continue on this pathway where they've got these young guys in, work on those green shoots, and they've got more there in the pipeline the next yeah, 12 to 18 yeah, months. There's, a lot of, um, there's certainly a lot of upside there. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I question whether they're going to be able to consistently perform at that level for long periods of time. But yeah. It seems like Peyton and Tamalolo have kissed up, so kissed and made up, so we'll see. Yeah, and again, like I said, next 12 to 18 months, Jordan Lip. Jake Burke, Thomas Chester, Riley Price, Griffin Neem, like they keep pushing more of these guys in. I think they'll be able to self-correct some of the cap issues they generated the last few years when they've got themselves. Yeah, but they're going to have to develop them in first grade, and mm. that's my concern. So, so we'll, see. we'll see how things go. But for Canberra, um, poor result, and it's now been confirmed that Hodgson's done for the season, so that's the end of his Canberra career. Another knee reconstruction, already missing Fogarty. Um, Harley Smith-Shields, who was touted to play centre before the season. Croker's apparently looking at cortisone injections from his back, so they'll talk about him coming back into the mix with the injuries they've had. Uh, yeah, really, really positive result last week, really, really poor result this week. Let's hope they can just flush it um, and head down to Canberra against the Titans this week. It doesn't get any easier. No, it doesn't. So interested to see how they react, because overall I thought they were their own worst enemy, that's for sure. Certainly, but they've got a bit of a history of doing that. Yeah. And, uh, the last two games to wrap us up, you've got the Newcastle game against the Tigers, 26-4, to and honestly don't know what to say other than they were awful. Um, their middles were terrible, 18 errors, the effort in general, penalties, discipline, all the little things that are free to do in a game of rugby league that don't require any effort. I thought the Tigers were poor in every single one of them. Yep, they were. Diabolical. Um, Newcastle, the complete opposite, and that was what won them the game last week. Their, their defence... Kick chase, kick pressure, scramble, push on the ball, jumping on loose footballs. like that. They were rewarded twice from loose footballs. If they keep doing all the little things really well, and again, losing Ponga and Clemmer this week to come out and get that result, um, there's only positive signs moving forward. And it's not to say after two rounds they're making the eight, but there's some real positives early. Clifford showing some signs more of the guy that was an under-20s player of the year and it's taken three or four years. So I don't know whether it's just the confidence that they've left him in since they've brought him down and signed him and he knows that he's going to play week to week. He's not going to be in and out like he was. Is it anything to do with working with Joey Johns who's on the staff this off-season and getting more confidence working with one, you know, possibly the greatest halfback of all time? Um, you know, Kloon obviously keeps things very simple and takes pressure off him and allows to do what he does well. And Tyson Frizzell, I don't think I've seen him this fresh, healthy and impactful in at least three years. Like, he obviously turns up big for origin, but he always seemed to have had a chest pad, a bicep guard, a thigh guard, a quad. Like, he was always carrying something. This looks to be the healthiest he's been no, in a few seasons. No, and a, a nice extended break for him. Mm, so. Probably done him some good. 
himself along with Gagai and what he's done bringing some confidence to those young guys. Dom Young, um, a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old when he was brought over from the English Super League, he only played a handful of games for the Huddersfield Giants. His progress in year two with still only having played a handful of first-grade games, if they can get him going this way along with best up to scratch along with Gagai, it's a hell of a back line as well. Yeah, exactly. So some good signs and uh, a good test this they, week. They look good the Knights. Mm. Really, really good. It's going to be a good test this week against Penrith out at Bathurst. And look, they played Penrith quite well last year. Adam O'Brien's got a pretty good understanding on how to play Penrith and causes them some issues. So it'll be interesting to see whether the players can execute this weekend and whether they're able to really take it to the Premiers. Mm. And if Ponga, Clamour and Daniel Safidi are back in and Penrith are Still Cleary free, which he's in the 24, but I wouldn't play him if I was Penrith if you don't have to, unless they're 100%. No, that's right, especially when you won the first two. Yeah, I think they've put themselves in a position to be able to take a loss if you know they did go in without him. So I'd be saying to O'Sullivan, he can play until we lose and then put Cleary back in. Yeah, and like I said, if Fish is named after that knock, all good. If, he, if he's not up to scratch, I wouldn't play him either. Um, roll with what you've got, but for yeah. Newcastle... Good confidence building wins, couple of players back in, rolling into the defending premiers, potentially without Cleary, Laota, Toto. So uh, I, I think it's going to be a good game this week at Bathurst. Yeah, I agree. But uh, on the Tigers, I, I can't really say anything positive um, from the performance or many of the players. And like I said, all that stuff that came out afterwards is self inflicted. And that's more only the point I'm making. It, it, the results are one thing, but it just feeds into that narrative of negativity for them, which they just don't yeah. need. So. Yeah. Last one, Broncos Dogs sixteen ten, and to be honest, I actually quite enjoyed this game. I thought it was yeah, a good scrap. Well, it was good, um, but in the end, the big thing I guess was Barrett uh, unhappy about two of those decisions. And again, I've seen mixed thoughts from a lot of people. I, I thought the the contact on the last try was one that they pulled up before, and they seem to have let that go. Do I think that player was going to get across? Most likely not, but we've seen well, it pulled. Well, it was a chance to do so. Yeah, it was pulled back. Uh, the Herbie Farnsworth one live from memory, I don't remember that well, but I, I thought that one looked pretty fair. Yeah, I thought it was a right call. So, 50-50, one each way, yeah, could have been a closer game, but I also think for their sake, first half in particular, thought they had the better of possession, thought they had opportunities, and they, they didn't score. Um, they were better in attack. They certainly let the ball move around, but... Again, just lack that finishing touch. And I thought there was a lot of good individual performances, but still struggling to sort of put it all together as a team, the Bulldogs. Yeah, but they're getting better. Yeah. There's been a significant improvement. You can see that. And they competed in this game and they competed in round one. So that's all that Trent Park really needs to be concerned with at the moment. Yeah. Um, For the Broncos, obviously they have a Reynolds in. For the first time, uh, it'll take a few weeks to sort of sort that out, but he had some good moments, uh, provided sort of what you, you expect him to provide. Uh, the try with the pass between the legs would have been nice with Tony Staggs, who, again, I, I, there's a good reason, man, you keep talking about Herbie before the season kicked off or when the Dolphins are looking at him. If I was the Dolphins, I, I would have been pushing harder to get that done because I think now that he's going to be on a lot more teams' radars because I, I still think for the most part he's very underappreciated. But a game like the other night where you see 15 to 20 carries, a heads-up player with a strip, one off the back line player, like just him in general. Um, I think he's garnering more and more attention as things go on. And 
he seems fairly loyal. He hasn't jumped to any conclusions or taken any deals just yet. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up staying at the Broncos. But if I was the Dolphins, I would have been trying to get that one done before the season began. Well, that's right, yeah. um, In terms of who was good, uh, Haas, obviously, as always, Herbie was outstanding. Um, I think Oates is certainly... Sparked up a little bit, had plenty of carries, and seems to be back to. Seems to be rejuvenated a little bit. Yeah, um, and on the Bulldog side of things, like I said, there was a lot of good individual efforts. It was a much better game for Pungai Junior in terms of his offloads and his aggression being a bit more controlled. Marshall King was good. Um, you know, there's one change for me though that just really stands out. Jade Knockenball can't be in that side. I, I think between the way their backline set up at the moment, even if. Lumi, 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 come in on a wing, or Aaron Shot played there instead of playing centre because he's got a good carry. Uh, I just there's a few guys I'd probably have there before Ockenbore. I think for his size, he he needs to carry harder in yardage. The guy that got a debut a couple of years ago that ran over Cameron Smith and showed a lot more physicality at the moment in particular. I think his yardage carry for the size of him is just not up to standard. Yeah, I'd argue. So uh, for the Bulldogs, yeah, it's been uh, one and one. Dirty win last week and, and very close to one here in Barrett's anger. And hopefully they're all angry about it and they do something this week against Manly. Yeah, well, didn't Manly, Manly smash them in one game last year, I think. Yeah, it was 50 or 60 points, I think. So. I think it was 60, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they've got the old elephant memory and they remember that, even though there's a lot of new players on board. But Manly are on too as well, so they're going to have plenty to play for. 100%. Uh, but that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend as we jump now into our tips and previews brought to you by bluebet.com.au. There is no one better than a true blue Aussie bookie. Download the app today and visit the website www.bluebet.com.au and uh, still got the early payout promo going, which is an absolute corker for rounds three and four of the NRL season. It's still available. Take a head-to-head bet on Bluebet. And if your team leads by four points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay out your bet straight away, lead by four at halftime, and you win. Absolutely outstanding. Um, but let's get in. Last week, uh, six and five we got, so ten and nine after two weeks. A bit, bit more of a better week again. There was a couple of results there, I guess, that pulled a few people. They would have been 50-50 on the Sharks-Eels game. Uh, I'm trying to think what... One of the other ones was it was a bit of a 50-50. I, I don't think many people would have tipped the Cowboys, that's for sure. That would have got a few people. And uh, the charity bet, like we said, win first week, $90 in the kitty, but not a winner this week. So hopefully we can get back on board. But the first game, that derby game I spoke about, Dragons versus Sharks, and uh, the B out on the Dragons side, obviously McCulloch and Moses Embai steps in there to play hooker. Other than that, it's basically an unchanged lineup, but a few new faces in Jackson Ford. Jack Kazuski on the bench. George Burgess rolls back out. And on the uh, shark side of things, they've got Ronaldo Mulitalo out with a head knock. Ikevalu comes in the wing. Talakai starts in the back row with Teague Wilton suspended and Braden Trindle returns after that suspension on the bench. So interesting to see what happens there. But who do you like on this one, Boxhead? Um, could I lie? But yeah, not with a whole heap of confidence. I think Bullongong's certainly going to play an impact. Um, yeah, just 
like my gut feeling is Cronulla, but with, that's without having a really strong feeling. Yeah, I'm a bit torn because, again, once I saw Wollongong and the way they've played the last couple of weeks, I think they'll be, particularly, been good. I think they'll be particularly fired up after uh, the result from last week. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go the upset, but I think it'll be a corker game. I'll go the Dragons and uh, let's have a look at those odds and see if they are the outsider. And they are with bluebet.com.au. They are $2.05. The Dragons slide outsiders. The favourite, the Sharks, $1.77. Minus one and a half the line, one to 12, 325 Dragons, $3 Sharks, 13 plus 480 Dragons, 380 for the Sharkies. Uh, Tigers Warriors, again, looking forward to this one purely because of the desperation around it, a lot of talk. Uh, in the past, I think the Tigers have been a bit of a bogey for the Warriors as well, but on their side of things, Kelma Tuolungi out with a head knock. Uh, James Tamau returns in the front row. Alex Twole goes back to the bench. Luke Garner is promoted to start in the back row and Jacob Little returns from his injury at hooker pushes Jake Simpkin to the bench and Alex Safarth and McKaylee drop out and tonight Jackson Hastings went to fight his charge he's unsuccessful and is now out for three games instead of two so they haven't updated it yet but I'm assuming Jock Madden who's in the 24 there will move into the halves and replace Jackson Hastings who I should have probably said was one of the only guys last week who you know, made any sort of impact in the game. Um, he, he's been good effort-wise the first two weeks. And on the other side, the Warriors, no consistency the first few weeks. And again, another reshuffle in the halves with Ash Taylor out with a hip injury. Cody Nicarima comes back into the halves. And Fanua Blake was named despite a bit of a hand injury on the weekend. And he, he was pretty good. So uh, I'm going with the Warriors in this one, I'd say. Flip yeah, a... me too. I just, yeah, you can't. I can't justify tipping the Tigers until they show something. I did, I did it last week and regretted it as soon as that ball was kicked off. No, nah, I think the Warriors have at least showed you that they're able to get themselves back in after two poor starts and, and take yeah. the lead. They just haven't gone on with it. So this week should be blood in the water if you're the Warriors. You'd think so. But uh, the odds with bluebet.com.au, the Tigers, similar odds to the, the first game, $2.00. 06 outsider, a dollar seventy six favourite are the Warriors minus one and a half the line, one to twelve Tigers three twenty five three dollars the Warriors thirteen plus Tigers is four eighty three eighty for the Warriors South Roosters this has been a bit of a letdown the last few years and Souths have been the one dominating um, and the Roosters have sort of been you know a, a bit overheated which is something we haven't come to associate with them and they've lost their head but a lot of people are going to gear this up as the Manu versus Latrell game, I'm not looking at it that way at all. I'm looking at this as the Roosters are back with a lot of players that they're missing from last year and looking to drag themselves back on top of, the, of, of you know, the table and the Rabbitohs are, are trying to find a new groove with a new coach and a, a lot of guys having to change positions, but it comes to a head at a perfect time. The Roosters bounce back with a good win. The Rabbitohs desperately looking for their first win and these two coming to head-to-head, but... For the Rabbitohs, Milne moves into the centres now. I like that change. Paulo goes back out to the wing. Um, and other than that, things revert back to normal. Murray's name to start at lock. Havili's still on the bench. And for the Roosters, Angus Crichton moves to the bench. Nat Butcher moves into the run-on side. Watson's name to start again, but there's a possibility that they do that switch um, with Hutchison to start. Tupanua was named despite a head knock, so he looks all clear at the moment. And Joey Manu had a bit of a knee complaint, but... 
looks all good at the moment as well. So uh, for me in this one right now, you've got to go with the Roosters. But the last few years, regardless of form, South have just had a number on them. Looking forward to this one. This this one again generally doesn't matter where they are on the ladder. When these two play each other, shit goes down. Yeah, well, that's, that's what the most uh, recent history tells you, doesn't it? So, mm. yeah, it'll just be interesting to see whether teams can keep their um, emotions in check. Um, yeah, most definitely. Look, look, look forward to it. Looking forward to it, 100%. And bluebet.com.au, the odds, South Sydney, $2.40 outsiders. The Roosters favourite, $1.56, minus 3.5 the line. 1 to 12 Roosters, 3.10, 3.40 for South, 13 plus for South, 6.30, 2.96 for the Roosters. Panthers Knights out at Bathurst. It's a good road trip in all, by all accounts for the Panther fans. A um, couple of changes. Taylor May comes on the wing. For Brian Tyler. Oh, yes. O'Sullivan for now. Still at seven, but Cleary has been included in the extended squad. Eisenhuth is named to start after the late switch they did last week with Spencer Lenu and uh, otherwise. Fisher Harris, a bit of a shoulder injury. He's been monitored, but has been named to play. But on the flip side, Newcastle, big boost. Ponga comes back in after that win. Daniel Safidi is back on deck. Mitch Barnett goes to the back row for Lachlan Fitzgibbon, who is out. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's some good signs there, like I said, after two results for them and, and get some key players back. But I don't know. I'm sniffing a bit of an upset in this one. I don't know. I just think the first two weeks, the way they've defended. Um, but then again, Penrith like to uh, put on a show when they head out to Bathurst and get the win. Yeah, I, I'm going to see Penrith until they... Give me a reason not to, but yeah, I, I see where you, I see your point. Particularly if Cleary doesn't play. And yeah, Fish is underdone and pulls out yeah. or doesn't last the game. Like the few extra guys missing, so I'm tipping Penrith as well. But in terms of uh, the line, I don't, I don't mind the line for this game. That's for sure. Um, mm. And with BlueBet.com.au, the Newcastle Knights are four dollars thirty-five, a dollar twenty-one favorite of the Panthers. You get twelve and a half start, so. Um, I, I think, you know, with, with the players that are missing, it, it'd be a good effort if they were to touch up Newcastle, considering the way they've been playing so far, particularly defensively. But, yeah, that, that's a big start. And 1 to 12, $3 the Panthers, $5 Newcastle, 13 plus Penrith, $1.93, $13 the Newcastle Knights. But uh, expecting a good scrap. Storm Para was really, really looking forward to this and wasn't really happy to see that Harry Grant was out and more worried now at the knock-on effect if it ends up being anyone else ruled out. So um, from that at the moment, I'd assume Wishart will start at nine. They've somehow got Brandon Smith named only a week later in the reserves. I, I thought a broken hand minimum would have been at least four weeks. So well, he had surgery to me. That's what I thought. So I'd assume yeah. if he's out, they'll probably bring in Jaden Nikarima as the utility to cover, he can play halves, fullback, hooker. So I'd assume he'd be the one they'd reach for to put into that position. But otherwise, I'd assume they're unchanged, barring any COVID issues from last week. And uh, on the other side, Jake Arthur is out. He had an appendectomy. So he will be missing for at least a few weeks. Nathan Brown is being promoted to start at lock. Oregon Kafusi goes back to the bench. And Wiram McGreg has come on to 
the interchange as well. So um, a few small changes there, but I'll be tipping Melbourne in Melbourne for the time being. I think the Harry Grant thing is a big blow, but in terms of betting, uh, I don't know, I'll look at the odds in a moment, but if anyone else gets COVID and pulls out and I can get more than $2, I, I'd be getting on Parramatta. Yeah, I'm going to tip Parramatta. So, uh, I, yeah. I'm not overly convinced in what um, Melbourne have produced the first two weeks. Yeah. Uh, that, that loss would have stung Parramatta a little bit. So, mm. Yep, I agree with you there. And bluebet.com.au have got the odds as the Storm, $1.50. The Eels, two sixty minus four and a half. The line, one to 12 Melbourne, two ninety five three sixty para. 13 plus Melbourne, three fifteen five eighty para. Um, I saw the odds just before the Harry Grant announcement. It was over three dollars, so it's it's already coming a little bit there for Para. And if there's any more news, it's probably worth having a crack at it now, to be honest. Because um, if anyone else is out for Melbourne, Parramatta won't get a better chance. But uh, having a look at the next game, a great one. Again, probably hopefully plenty of attack and a better better effort holding the ball this week by the Canberra Raiders. But back home. Uh, 7.30 at night up against the Gold Coast Titans and some changes for them. Nick Kotrick is back in along with Jordan Rapana, named on the wing. So James Schiller and Sebastian Chris are out. Brad Schneider returns from COVID protocol. So Frawley goes to the bench and Adrian Trevelyan, who debuted last week, goes to the reserves. But uh, for the Titans, unchanged, which is always a good thing. And Azarko moves into the 24-man squad. So uh, lots of positives. It's a hard place to go and win. Um, I think, obviously, in the two weeks, I've seen a lot more positives from the Titans so far, so I'm going to tip them. But in the past, Canberra hasn't really been a great team for you guys either, like the Warriors. No. And uh, I really like this forward pack, but last week, you know, our errors just killed them. So going home, I'd probably prefer to tip Canberra, but I'm going to give a slight benefit of the doubt to the Titans. Well, this is a good one to prove a bit of consistency, that's for sure. Um, if they could travel down to Sydney and just lose, go home, get home from the Warriors after, you know, falling behind late and then close it out and then head to Canberra and get a win here, that that, that would be a good pattern developing, that's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. So, Absolutely. Fingers crossed. But uh, with bluebet.com.au, you get some value. They're the outsiders, the Titans, at $2.20. $1.68 yeah. are the Raiders, minus 2.5 the line. 1 to 12, Canberra 295, 335 for the Titans. 13 plus the Raiders 365, 490 for the Titans. And uh, Sunday kicks off with an absolute cracker. If, if you're in Brisbane, I know they haven't been great the last two years, but the last two weeks, they've both shown plenty of effort. It's hopefully going to be a lot more tightly contested than it has been the last few years. But Broncos, Cowboys, um, in terms of changes, Nothing really there for the Broncos. It's the same 17, and they're looking to go three straight for the first time since round nine in 2019. And the Cowboys, Ruben Cotter, comes in on the bench in place of Mitchell Dunn, who had that horrendous non-contact ACL. Um, Cruel when you see those ones. They're the worst. And I think I saw the NRL physio put up. We've already had six ACL tears in two games last year. We only had 14 across the whole season. So, yeah. a few of those early on, which is bad. Uh, and otherwise, for the Cowboys, Tanoa Brown came back into the reserves, but 
Who do you like in this one? I I like what I've seen in patches from both teams. Um, I thought week one the Broncos struggled in attack, but were pretty gritty defensively. I'm probably leaning Broncos. I think home. Yeah, I, I think for that reason. Right, but, um, yeah. When I look at all areas, though, I think yeah, I, I I think they're pretty evenly matched. There's probably a few more individuals who have played a bit more first grade in the Broncos side. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won. So it's a tough one. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll go. I'll go the Cowboys. I'm going to go the upset with no confidence, but I'll go the opposite just so we've got something different here. Um, and the odds with this one with bluebet.com.au, the Cowboys two forty five, the Broncos a dollar fifty five, minus four and a half the line one to twelve two seventy five Broncos four dollars Cowboys thirteen plus Broncos is two ninety six sixty for the Cowboys and to close things out it's Manly up against the Bulldogs and uh, Des Hasler stuck solid with his 17 that went down last week Dylan Walker is being monitored for that head knock and uh, within a week they'll have Aloye back this is his last week of suspension and for the Bulldogs as well same team but Luke Thompson listed to start even though they swapped with Corey Riddell last week who was very very good uh, made a big impact on the game and uh, Tavita Pangai is back on that edge after he did a bit of a reshuffle last week to get him in to the side. And uh, Ockenbohr still holding his spot, but I'm looking in the reserves. They've got Shop, Reese Hoffman. So, I don't know, probably not feeling as under threat as I thought he would, but I wouldn't hesitate to put Shop on the wing over him, to be honest. Yeah. So. I'm going to tip Manly with, again, not a whole lot of confidence with what they've produced, but they have to win. Yeah. They don't have to win, but, yeah, they certainly like to. Mm. Uh, but I'm sure the Bulldogs in particular, their middles will give them all they can handle. That's been a real positive the first two weeks with their forward pack. Um, yeah. And uh, last week, probably more particularly with Pungai Jr. up against his old team, he held it together, which, like we said, some weeks he's, Rock some weeks he's diamond, some weeks he wants to kill everyone, other weeks, uh, you know, you, you don't see much of him. So hopefully they get the better version of him this week, along with those couple other forwards, and uh, it's a hell of a game. But, yeah, I think Manly, Manly need to strike a blow here in particular at home at Brookie. And bluebet.com.au agree with us, and they've got Manly a $1.27 favourite. 380 are the Bulldogs, minus 10.5 the line. 1-12 to 12 for the Eagles, $295 for the Dogs, 13 plus 210 um, for Manly and eleven dollars for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, what have we got different? We've got Broncos, Cowboys different. We've got Dragon Sharks different, and you went the Eels. I stuck with the Storm, which I probably regret. But I keep my eyes on that betting wise. If it's above two dollars and anyone else gets COVID, I'd be all over Parramatta. Yeah. So there you go. Hopefully, a few different and charity wise. Did anything take your fancy? Did anything stand out for you? Uh, Parramatta 1-12 that's probably where I would throw some money yeah I'd, I'd probably be happy with that so I'm sure about this week I'll have a have a bit of a look see but if there's any more news about anyone bailing I, I think you might be onto something there yeah but I'll keep my eye on that one tomorrow but for otherwise that wraps us up for another week uh, getting to bed here just before midnight boxhead so have a good sleep, my friend. Super. <laughs> but uh, wrapping things up, as always, big thanks to Penrith Solar 
if you're looking for a system, there's no one better than Jake and a crew. Big congrats to him and his new wife again on a lifetime of happiness ahead. But visit the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au or give them a call on 1820 2930. Look at their Facebook page. The new workshop he has got is incredible. Um, and he's literally a madman. He's used the whole roof to write Penrith Solar Center in solar panels. So bloke's certainly got a lot a lot of time to be doing that. He's decking this place out. That's why I call him Elon of Penrith. Um, and the other one, bluebet.com.au. There is no one better. Huge thanks to them for supporting our charity account. If you're going to have a bet with somebody, do it with a bookie that supports a good cause. They're the true blue Aussie bookie. Download the app today or visit the website, www.bluebet.com.au. Boxhead, looking forward to a crack around of football. Fingers crossed uh, we can tee up some ACAST, oh, sorry, ACAST, some hijack games this weekend, and we'll have another run at commentating some games. So if you haven't got on board with that already, get onto the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and download the Hijack TV app. Hijack is spelled H-Y-J-A-C-K dot TV, where you can join me and Brock, much like we did with our game companions, except live on your phone. It's that easy. You can mute the TV if you want to hear us talk shit and talk footy and uh, watch a game of football with us. Correct. I'm on So There you go. But for now, everybody, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.